This podcast is brought to you by Third World. That's all. We're just three immigrants talking trash. Talking trash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Three Immigrants Talking Trash. My name is Vanessa, and joining me are my co-hosts, my co-immigrants, the family that I have chosen and the family that has chosen me. What are your guys' names again? Manal. And Ayushi. Manal and Ayushi. Wow, what a beautiful name. You remember when the security guard thought your name was Sushi? Oh my God, everyone used to call me Sushi in high school. And the one time I was doing a shoot for Target and my call time was 3 a.m., And the director was so tired that he didn't have the time or the energy to understand how my name is said. So he said, shoe, we're going to go with shoe. And for the rest of the shoot, everybody kept calling me shoe. And they were like, where's shoe? Is she ready? Make sure she's on set. But he actually said, we're going to go with shoe. So the director asked me, he's like, how do you say your name? So I said, my name is Ayushi. And I was saying it slowly. Like, there was no reason to get so worked up. And he was just like, okay, you know what? There's just no time for this. It's like 3 a.m. Let's just go with shoe. Wait, wait, wait a second. Where was this? (laughs) This was a shoot for Target that I did back in the day. And honestly, I was just starting out. So what am I going to like fight? I was like, you know what? It's fine. Just call me shoe. Give me the $2,000. Let me pay my rent. It's all good. No, it matters. It matters that the director who hired an actress that he needs to know her name and how to pronounce it. Yeah, it takes like two minutes to say Ayushi. Girl, I will tell you that those things do matter because recently I was on a big set and there was a female director there and she said my name and she was like, Ayushi, well done. And that was the greatest compliment of my life because I felt validated, acknowledged as a human being. If you can't even acknowledge someone as a human being, what are we even doing here? So it makes a huge difference when someone knows how to say your name correctly. That is my point. I want to talk about names and names pronunciation because I feel like here in the States, people had so much trouble with our names, even with my name, which is so simple, you know, it's Vanessa. But I have an accent, so sometimes I say Vanessa, (laughs) and then I see people writing me emails with Vanessa and I'm like really guys like make the effort because maybe I say Vanessa but you know it's Vanessa I never met a person called Vanessa I go to Instagram is there any Vanessa no it doesn't exist it's Vanessa so I have that problem and I imagine Manal which is anal with an M oh my god that problem as well you know so do you encounter any stories any issues of people just messing up your name Every time I have to say my name to a non-Arab person, it's a whole conversation. They have to look very closely at my lips to be able to tell what I'm saying because I have M-A-N-A-L. And they're so worried about pronouncing it right. And I think something's on my face because they keep looking at my lips. And it's always awkward, man. I've gotten Mahal. I've gotten Manyal. I've gotten... Manal, I feel some people get intimidated by your name and they try to avoid the anal at all costs. So they're like, is it Mayhol? Is it Mignel? <laughs> they don't want to say, is it Manal? <laughs> I get Manuel a lot. No matter how hard they try, if you have a clearly American accent, you just can't get it right. For some reason, they cannot say Manal. It has to be Manal. 
It's actually such a beautiful name. What is the meaning of it? It means to obtain. Wow. <laughs> anal. To obtain <laughs> anal. It's usually it's used in the context of things that are hard to get. Like they say, Saab al-Manal, which means hard to obtain. Oh. What about your name? Does your name has any meaning? Or is it just Ayushi because you're original? So Ayushi, a name that is often pronounced as Shu or Sushi, actually means one who's blessed with a long life. Mm. I know. Let's take a pause and applaud my parents for coming up with this beautiful name <laughs> that will forever be called Shu or Sushi or Tempura. <laughs> it's funny to me, people that say that it's so difficult to understand someone with an accent, you know, that they barely make the effort to pronounce your name properly. I feel that it's so funny to me because imagine how hard it is for somebody who has an accent to try to understand another person with an accent. <laughs> and if I can make the effort to try to understand a different accent, coming from an accent to an accent, yeah. it must be extremely easy for you to try to make the effort and understand totally. an accent. Let's talk about paperwork. As an immigrant, we deal with a lot of paperwork, with extra paperwork. And I want to talk about how do you guys deal with paperwork when you first moved to Los Angeles? Do you even know the words DMV before you moved to LA? Do you know what the social security number was? Or did you just fucking struggle with every fucking term? I struggled. We fucking struggled with every fucking term <laughs> yeah. until today, especially with insurance. I only knew what the DMV was from watching Clueless. And I used to think, but how does she not know how to drive? And then when I moved here, I was 25. So I had been driving since I was 18. And I rented this car and I was driving however I wanted around LA. And then I go to my driver's test and I fail it really bad. And I realized that I had been driving around LA for months without following any of the street protocol here. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally got to know what the DMV really is. And it doesn't look as funny as it looks in the movies. It's horrible. It's the most depressing place. Oh, I actually was going to say that I didn't know the meaning of the word credit score. I didn't know. I didn't care. I didn't care at all. Later, many years down the line, I realized that this is an essential thing to have in life because you will not be able to get anything without a good credit score. Um, the first time I walked into a dealership and I wanted to get a car and they kept asking me what my you know, credit score was and if they can check my credit history. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I have the cash right here like, in my hand. I don't know what you're saying. I have daddy's credit card. Just give me a car. Point is that that was the first time that I realized, oh, you know, to live in this country, you need to have credit cards. You need to be in debt, basically. Because then how do you build your credit? You get in debt. Which is another thing I want to point out is that there's a lot of free money in America, except it's not free. So don't open multiple credit cards in a rush to have credit history. Be really mindful of that and do your research don't be me is what i'm trying to say when you move here as an immigrant you have no credit score and it takes you years to build that you know for for you to get into the system and like you said get into debt pay off that debt for the government to kind of recognize you and be oh, okay this is a shopper who can get in debt get out of debt therefore let's give him a number and the more he pays back that debt, like you have a higher number and then you can buy more stuff. 
And that's the number that you need for anything, right? Like for a car, for an apartment, literally any type of transaction, you need to have a credit score. And if it's low, you don't get that apartment. You don't get that car. Like you're in debt. Obviously, you cannot afford anything else. When I first moved to LA, I was a student. So when I was done, when I graduated, I hadn't accumulated any kind of credit history because you cannot work here. You don't have income. So I was just living as a student. And then suddenly... You know, I had to start working and I had to rent a car and I was not able to rent an apartment wherever I wanted. And I was not able to buy my first car because they couldn't tell how long I was going to be in the country and they couldn't tell what my credit history was. So when you're new in the U.S. as an immigrant, you got to kind of go fishing for those deals or those vendors who are okay with you not having a green card or uh, or a credit any history. history. Any history, yeah. yeah. It's so good that you're pointing that out because right now there's an immigrant hoping to move to the United States with no idea of any of this. Just like how we were clueless, there's someone listening to this right now probably getting very valuable information. But by no means we're lawyers or anything. I wouldn't take any legal advice from this podcast. <laughs> no, do your own research for sure. Okay, let's talk about our very first car in LA. My very first car was a Volkswagen SUV. And I thought it was the cutest thing, but y'all thought it was a soccer mom car. Yeah, I thought it was fucking ugly. I'm sorry. <laughs> My very first car, guys, it was a 10 years old, super small Ford. It cost me $2,000. Damn, that's it? That's it? Who buys a car for $2,000? Where did you find a car for $2,000? Did you get it off Craigslist? Dude, I think it was Craigslist for real. I don't even remember where I got this car from. Dude, that was 10 years ago. Sounds fishy. When I first got this car, I was driving it with my mom. And the police stop us just because we had the light off. And they're like checking the car, reviewing the back of the car to see, I don't know if we have alcohol or anything. And I'm like, why are we being stopped? And the police officers finally, after reviewing the whole fucking car, they were like, oh, because your lights were off. So the car was so sketchy that it inspired to be stopped. We talk about the health insurance. What about health insurance? Did you have any idea of all the paperwork that you have to do to get health insurance? Was that an easy task for you? It was the most difficult task. I fucking hate it. It's a fraud in this country. You have to learn all this terminology that at the end of the day, even when you know it, it's still confusing. And I'm here thinking like insurance plan, cool, pay 150 a month or something and whatever you need will be covered. No, you pay like minimum premium 500 bucks a month for an individual and not everything is covered. People in America get jobs just for insurance. I didn't have health insurance for like three years. That's so illegal of you. <laughs> no, I had international health insurance from South Africa. And then the one time I was hanging out with my good friend, Vanessa, and she was just like giving me a pep talk. She was like, you know, your death is going to be more expensive than you living. <laughs> <laughs> Typical advice from me. This is the way that I learned about health insurance. When I first moved here, I went to college and college offered me a health insurance and that's how I got my little health insurance. But I didn't know anything. And then I had to go to the hospital. When I went to the hospital, they just asked me for my ID and they didn't charge me for anything. That was so weird for me. That was the very first time I went to a clinic. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Look at the service here. I can go to the clinic, it's free. They took care of my wound, wow, amazing. 
Then three months later, I got like a $2,000 bill for just going to the clinic. This guy just sent me a cream. That's insane. That's how I found out about health insurance. And I have to go through claims and claims and claims and be like, oh my God, I didn't know. Please, I'm an immigrant. What's up? This is my health insurance from college. It was out of network because I chose a clinic that was out of network from the health insurance that I had, you know. So you get the health insurance, but it's limited. So you still need to look and pay it out of pocket, really trying to understand. And everything is like, but 20%, but 50% less, but you need to meet your deductible. What's your deductible and what's your copay and what's your, Jesus Christ. Is it a PPO or an HMO? Is it Blue Sheet or is it Kaiser? Oh my God, these terms bring post-traumatic syndrome for me. <laughs> is your doctor out of network or in network? Why can't it just be as easy as just going to a doctor and not being charged an exorbitant amount for it? I just don't understand why it can't be easy. I think America just makes everything like so much harder. Like I have a flu. That's all. I just have a cold. I don't want to go through HMO, PPO, this, oh, that, oh, like. Oh, your story reminds me of this one time I went to Miami. I was bleaching a part of my body that I will not mention. Butthole. Was it your butthole? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> no, it wasn't my butthole. Long story short, I scratched my eye and I had some bleach <gasps> on my hand still. And I'm like, whatever, I rinse my face and then the rest of the day, my eye is on fire. I'm trying to hold my tears back because I don't want to seem crazy to Vanessa. Like we're trying to have a good time and... <laughs> And like, I'm not going to be like, yo, listen, I think I'm going blind because I might have touched my eye with some bleach. Oh, my God. At the end, I was like, I can't. I started crying. I'm like, I think I actually need a doctor. By the end of the day, I could not open my eye. And she ended up taking me to the emergency room. And I always hear the stories of my friends in Canada and Europe who have to wait like 10 to 14 hours in emergency room just to get treated for basic stuff. And I was like, oh my God, is this going to be that kind of situation? So I ended up waiting only four hours. And I was like, God bless America. We're not like Canada or Europe. And I see this doctor, he sees me for 20 minutes, puts a couple of eye drops in my eye. I'm good to go. Two months later, I receive a $500 bill from this hospital. That was like my entry into the healthcare knowledge in the United States. They found you, man. Whatever you are, they found you to bill you. Because if you think that it's difficult to try to understand health insurance, it's worse not having health insurance. Here, you get sick, you're homeless. <laughs> it's better to try to understand health insurance. And today, I can say that I'm a proud owner of a PPO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking expensive despite being a basic-ass plan. But let's be clear. We do need health insurance. You remember that time when I usually passed out at the Wheat Cafe? Oh, yeah, actually. That would have been a good time to have health insurance. So the one time I was at a weed cafe for Manal's birthday and I don't smoke weed, guys. And I also at the time was doing intermittent fasting. So I had been fasting for what, like 20 hours or something, which means no eating and only having black coffee and water. So I rock up to this birthday party and I'm sitting around the table with Vanessa, Manal and Vanessa's mom. And a big ass joint is being like passed around and I have like two drags <laughs> but like two solid drags and again I don't smoke anyway at the time I don't feel anything right I'm fine I'm chilling I'm telling a story in the middle of me telling the story suddenly I lose sensation in my legs 
And it's like, I cannot move my legs. So I'm like, okay, something's happening. Then that travels to my arms. Then this goes to my mouth. Now my mouth is open, but I cannot move it. And there's no sound coming out. <laughs> and my tongue is just dry, like so dry. And then the sensation goes to my eyes. And that's when shit hits the fan. Because now my eyes are open, but the light is fading away. I knew everything that was happening to me. I was very aware of it, but I couldn't do anything. I was in a coma. And then Manal saw that something was wrong. So she carried me to the bathroom. But on the way to the bathroom, I fell on a bench. I was like, you know what? This is how I'm going to die. I'm going to die in a weed cafe. <laughs> and then I see a bunch of people running towards me. And this is the weed paramedics. And they came, made me lie sideways and then put this like wet towel around my neck and gave me like turmeric and ginger and uh, orange juice. They gave you turmeric for real? <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you the ginger turmeric has been a savior for my life. Anyway, literally my vision came back and life was jolted back into me. So that is when I think I wish I had health insurance. <laughs> you know, thank God nothing got worse. Because... That's when you realized you had to get health insurance. I want to backtrack to when you were at the table and you say that you were blacking out and then your mouth was moving, but you were not saying anything because I was observing all of this happening. <laughs> and my response was like, should I call you an Uber? <laughs> yes. She kept asking me, can I call you an Uber? But like, I couldn't even respond to her because like I said, my mouth was open, but there was no sound coming out. <laughs> I'm so glad that like Manal was there because she actually carried me to the bathroom. Manal step up completely. Totally. And I just ask you, blink twice if you want an Uber, yes or no? <laughs> I remember that. I'm like the best friend you can ask for. <laughs> I cannot even blink my eyes. Like literally, I was just... Yeah, and I keep eating and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's not even blinking and I'm not gonna order her the fucking Uber then. She's just gonna stay here. She's she having a panic attack? I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm eating my french fries. And you're having your panic attack and thank God that Manal noticed and stepped up and she was like, move your legs. Put your legs up. And I thought that that would be it. I didn't know that you guys went to the back and you passed out. Oh my God. And the weed paramedics came and like me and my mom are eating cake and it's Manal's birthday and Manal is taking care of you because you passed out. Wow. And after that, I've never touched weed, like ever. But smoke responsibly. Don't get scared because of me. I was just fasting and everything. Yeah, you literally had like two drugs. And probably all you had that day was chicken bro. <laughs> no, not even. I was fasting. I had like black coffee and water. Okay, all right. So I think what I was interested in like asking you guys is, you know, our first year in L.A., first couple of years, how did we make ends meet? Did we have savings? Did we ever run into overdraft? I know for me personally, I was doing all kinds of jobs that I could acting related, obviously, because that's what I'm allowed to do on my visa. Even though I was booking commercials, I still had to do a lot of extra work. In fact, I even worked as an extra for Scientology. And I remember the one time driving back from the Scientology castle that was somewhere in a bush and like <laughs> running out of gas. And the cashier told me he was like, oh, your card is declined. One thing that I hate the most in my life is asking my parents for money. So in that moment, I had to call my ex-boyfriend and ask him to send me $20 so I can fill gas and get all the way back to LA. <laughs> that was such an embarrassing moment. So that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Did you ever have an experience where you were just like, adulting is not fun and <laughs> savings are important? Yeah, just this morning. Ah! This happened this morning. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely having all this experience, coming to LA, having no money, having to create a job for myself and then find other jobs. And even then, you're doing this work that it looks so big on the outside, but on the bank account is so little. The city, it kind of cheats you in that way. Yeah. As a creative, you think that you're going to get paid so well for every job, right. but you really have to fight for your value, you know, because... Here, there's so many creative. People move to Los Angeles just to work on the entertainment industry. Yeah. So everybody can do the same things that you do cheaper and faster. We like to end our episodes with a donation to organizations that we know are doing important work. Today's donation is to the White Helmets in Syria, also known as the Syria Civil Defense. These men and women hold a very special place in my heart because I've had the opportunity to work remotely with them along with advocacy group the Syria Campaign to help shed light onto what is going on in Syria on the ground. When the bombs rain down, the White Helmets rush in. They are humanitarian volunteers who risk their lives to help anyone in need, regardless of their religion or politics. They've saved over 100,000 lives over the past five years and they've been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize three times. If you would like to donate, please visit whitehelmets.org.